have to remember the total number of episodes because it'd be i'd be remiss if we happen to go to 100 episodes if we didn't like we don't say know that <laughs> yeah just like all right keep going like wait we hit 100 <laughs> pause for celebration yeah so but we're i don't think we're near we are approaching 100 though we should be we getting are. close i think we that's the funny thing is these things creep up on you. yeah it does Sneak up. It's all good though. It's all good. Um, hey, it's been a long week. And oh man, talk, I, I, let's I, talk about it. <laughs> I feel like every it day it was. It wasn't just something. Each day felt like a week unto itself. That's what it felt. Like Absolutely. What's good with you? Okay, so I do have an announcement to share. Um, I uh for any anime you know manga comic fans out there i have recently joined um as a writer for the webtoon called shade of red um the link is in my bio on twitter for sure and i'll put the link in the description but um just a, a guy I'm, I'm he's guyanese by the way from london uh, uh goes by the name of lsf he started up his own his own webtoon his own manga has a, has a whole team 24 years young too by the way um and you know they they have about five chapters out right now and they already have 10,000 views across the five chapters and you know now I get to join as a as a writer to to the story um and y'all know me I, I love to tell stories I'm a, I'm a storyteller at heart so this is super super exciting and um I had a meeting with LSF earlier today about uh, incorporating my own uh, series into his universe, and we were chopping it up. And it's like, look, Abe, Abe, the, uh, the mangaka, as they know him in the uh, anime manga world, Abe, the writer, is uh, coming to a uh, a phone mobile device near you. And when I tell you that there is stuff brewing, such as uh, music scores uh animation man i'm ex i'm excited so as a result i'm I'm on cloud nine you feel me i'm on cloud nine this is this is dope this is dope to me <laughs> like man. this is dope um so if y'all see me uh tweeting stuff and y'all see me just uh going mia for a bit just know that it, i'm in the lab i'm in the lab with folks um Y'all already know how it is. Me and Osa have been in the lab several times uh, throughout the run of Osa and Abe. So, ain't nothing new. You know, we'll still be putting out content for sure. But just know there might be time where I go ghost. You feel me? So, 
Yeah. If you catch me up, if you catch me doing a solo episode, y'all, you know what happened. He, uh, you know, he decided to uh, break up the band and go his own. Nah, 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 chill, chill. That is one thing for sure. We will never, never, ever, ever do a solo episode. I, I, it's, it's not the same. It's not the same. You know what? You're right. It wouldn't be a solo episode. I'd bring uh, Looso on with me. Let him just. Wow! I just got replaced. Dang! It's about to be the O and O show. The Osa and Oso show. Life it does have a fast. nice ring. It does have Life a nice ring. Life comes too, at you fast. Hey man, yeah, congratulations though. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm sure. excited. In in a week full of full in a full week, that's yeah. uh some news that brings some fullness to the heart. So respect, I love it. Um, to turn gears from celebration, we do this a lot. We we go from celebration to grief, grief to celebrate, all of that. We would be remiss. We did not take time to pay our respects to some recent losses in the span of the past, I think, 10 days. We've yeah. lost Black Rob of Bad yeah. Boy fame. Yesterday, day before you know, this recording, Shock G of yeah. Digital Underground and Humpty Hump fame. And of course, I know this one hits you hard, Abe. DMX. Yeah. You no. know, it, it's honestly, uh, as I as I look at it, April has never been the best month for me in the last like three years, three years straight. April has never been a really good month. Just been full of crazy. And actually, when I look at it um, throughout my lifetime, April is, happens to be when stuff just pops off negatively. Um the DMX one definitely hurt because, you know, I I related and enjoyed so much of DMX's music. Um that 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 transparency, that vulnerability that he brought with the aggression. I, I related to that ever since I was a youngin'. Um so losing DMX definitely hurt. And uh, you know, I I know we're we're late on this, um, but so much has happened that we, we just couldn't ignore it, you know. Um, we were talking the other day, it was like, wow, we honestly didn't pay our respects, so we definitely got to do that, but it didn't help that Black Rob and then Shot G passed, and then, you know, later we'll talk about another one. Um, but at the end of the day, what warmed my heart on social media was all the stories coming about about coming out about DMX. Like, DMX would just show up to random spots and just, like, participate. Like, an Albanian wedding? Right. <laughs> He doing that in Albanian wedding, but he's just there in this video footage of him just vibing with everybody. Like, yo, that's crazy. Crazy, just, bro. But that's like, but that was the person he was, and I appreciate. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just because given his his history, his story, and and all the negative things that happened to him, like despite those struggles, those demons, he was constantly battling for him to be able to still enjoy life. And to still enjoy people. It didn't matter what race, what creed you were. DMX was in the area. He was vibing with you. Yeah, he was vibing yeah. with you. Like, I remember one tweet about um some uh rock band from back in the day. How DMX just accidentally appeared in their music video. And he just went with it. And, like, no one battered an eye. He just rolled it through the living room in an eight, like in a four-wheeler. And it's just like, <laughs> no, DMX, oh, what are you doing? I, what are you doing, man? 
Or when um I think at a Waffle House, he just came there and was like, yo, can I make some omelets? And they were like, sure. And I think it was another Waffle House was just like, yo, you mind if I just start mopping? And it's like, dog, what? Like, <laughs> yo, you just mad natural, just mad just of the people. And and we love it. We love it. Because normally when when folks pass, especially celebrities, we normally get like the reveal of of depressing or negative news. But just the the public outpour from people of all, like I mentioned before, people of all different races and creeds just sharing yeah. their stories or fun facts they knew about DMX. And it was just like, yo, the common thing, he loved people. He had a heart of full love. And, and you know, it sucks that we, we lost someone like that. Um, but at least despite, you know, not living the longest of lives, he lived one of the fullest of lives for sure. One of the yep. fullest, easily. So loved people and loved life. Mm-hmm. DMX gone at the age of fifty. Ugh. Yeah. That's I, I remember when I That's first young. when I first got the news alert that he was in the hospital, overdosed, wasn't looking good, and then there was it was looking like things were picking up and. It was just a roller coaster of emotions because we've in the past the handling year, of that of that was so trash. It, it it pissed me off. It really did. It was very very poorly done. I don't know who's at fault, but that bothered me so much. Yeah, but it goes back to again something we discussed last year when uh, when Kobe passed. People want to be first to break the news. And sometimes being first ends up uh, means that you end up being last because you you're not doing the right thing and, and giving people the time to not just process but uh, giving them the the respect and dignity to let them maybe handle things in their space before you finally release the news. So with Kobe it was TMZ with this whole situation with DMX. Uh, it sucked because we'd hear one bit of news and then his family would come back and with their bit of news that they're saying. You can tell, oh, yeah, things probably aren't looking good, but you didn't even give them a chance or an opportunity to get themselves together. And now they're on the defensive trying to answer questions about what's really happening instead of allowing them a chance to just process the grief and and, and the heartbreak of the moment. Let's not forget, uh, DMX has, if I remember correctly, six kids and his youngest Yep, not yep. that old. I think it's three or four. So children are now without a father. Um, he was married recently. Married uh, when he uh, a little bit before he got out of out of prison recently. Now has a widow. It's it's not it's not that's not okay. And so for us to just think that we can continue to uh, to use people just for headlines. He had seven kids. I'm sorry. To use people just for headlines. That's that's the thing about our, our, our society and our culture right now. It frustrates me. Frustrates me a butt. Like you said, uh, lived a long life. Well, not a long life, but a full life. And was a man who loved life. And I think for me, one thing I always reflect on with DMX, and it's always frustrating for me to see with people in general, is so much potential, so much to offer the world. You have your personal demons. I know we all have our struggles, but it just seems like 
people didn't care enough about his struggle. And I get it. You got to care for yourself as well. But people didn't care enough. And then people don't care until you're gone. And then all of a sudden people want to act like you guys were tied or you can completely relate to DMX. And so he just becomes another uh, opportunity for you to turn the, the spotlight on yourself. And it's just ugly. Um, if you want, it was actually an interesting commentary I heard from Royce the Five Nine on all of this. Um, you check it out. I think it's on his Instagram. Just giving some facts about the about DMX and just how we treat people in general. But DMX was from, I guess we can say, the great state of New York. Yeah. And you know, I'm from Jersey, but you know, same difference. Jersey and great, I don't think belong in the same state. Stop um, it, stop it, sir. But, stop it. But with that being said, though, when you look at uh, first of all, of sir, NBA, one one of the top five greatest players in your basketball team's history is from Jersey. Here he goes. Here he goes. Here I'm he just goes. saying. Here he goes. Especially, you know what? Let's even narrow it down further. It's from my city. You know what's really funny, though? How the New Jersey Nets missed out on Kobe Bryant. Mm. Like, John Calipari let Kobe punk in out of not picking him. That's another story. Um, The great Mm -hmm. state of New York currently has two NBA franchises. Brooklyn Nets, New York Knicks. And we said this, Abe. We said this, I think, before the season started. We just wanted to see the New York Knicks be good again. Because if the New yeah. York Knicks are good, that entire Atlantic division is oh, going yeah. to be great. It's going to be great for basketball. And what is happening right now to the New York Knicks, Abe? Fourth seat, baby. Fourth MSG is popping this summer. Popping. MSG is on point. Bro, this is crazy. Um, When I look at the, the Knicks and their, their roster and their lineup, I think I jokingly said at the maybe first first month or two of the season, it seemed like they have a, a like an obsession or a fetish with power forward. But they found a way to make this thing make sense. And who is the glue? Who is the glue guy in all of this? Orange Julius Randle. Okay. Well, you know, we might have to is it who? is it we might have to give Payne his props for coming over and really revitalizing uh Payne or Peyton. Is it is it What's this man's name? Kenny something that joined Rob. I'm so sorry for butchering. Oh, Rob, he's doing this on purpose, though, Rob. No, nah, listen nah, to this episode, Rob. Let it be said, Abe is doing this on purpose. He's salty right now. No, it's not salty, but the coach. Well, actually, just the oh, coach. Okay, Kenny general. Payne. Yeah, you're talking about yeah, yeah. the coach. I was talking yeah, about yeah. just like players, players. Oh, yeah, no, 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 yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that dude, we got to give um mad love Julius. to kenny Payne for what he's okay, yeah. done with yeah. Julius in the game and honestly coach Stips. i was i oh, said yeah. i said too, on twitter yeah. like here's the thing one of these two things needs to happen either thibodeau wins coach of the year or julius wins most improved one of those two needs to happen what if because both? there's no way I don't know if they give them both. If they give them both, that'd be dope. But if they give them neither, I'd be kind of disappointed. The fact that the Knicks are the fourth seed is just like, yo. If the Knicks become the third seed, do you think it happens then? A, thir- a third or second seed? Well, I don't think it's 
don't know if it's possible for them to, to well make, for to run for them to come to second seed. Uh, yeah, I don't. It, the The gap is is a little too it's big. I mean, it would yeah. it would have to they would have, it, some luck would have to fall their way. But Thibodeau as um, Thibodeau as the uh, what's it called? Okay, Thibodeau as the coach of the year. It's tough because you still have um, old boy in in Utah and even the Suns to consider, right? Low key, you have Doc Rivers to consider for making Philly a number one seed. So he has competition, but for most improved, who are you putting over Julius? You know, like who who's? I mean, what other names can you throw in there? That's if true. Gordon Hayward didn't get injured. And Charlotte continued, you know, possibly uh, uh, Gordon Hayward, Hayward and the and Lamelo Ball. Let's not forget both of them got. Hurt. Would you would you put? Yeah, yeah, dude, still out. Yeah, facts. But I'm looking at the rest of the league, and I'm like, mm, I'm not Dang. seeing any other player doing what Julius has been doing and and helping it lead his team to success. I'm really True. not. True. Yo, so with 12 games left, let's just say the Knicks win out. This is a very real possibility, especially because they're four games back of the Bucks for the third seed. If for some reason the Knicks somehow pull up on the Bucks and snatch that third seed away, I think then it's a very real possibility that we see Tibbs and Julius win those awards that you mentioned. Shout out also to RJ Barrett. RJ Barrett yeah. has yeah. quietly had a I think a legit software campaign mm-hmm. um, and just the additions that they've made. I think they've, they've moved on from the debacle, the Frank Nilakina debacle of drafting him over uh, uh, Dennis Smith Jr. And you saw how LeBron came out and was vocal about that. And, but Dennis yeah. Smith Jr. Eventually found his way over to the Knicks and it wasn't a good look, but the pieces that the Knicks have, bro, like Mitchell Robinson, I like uh I like Isaiah quickly. He stepped up. I like Alfred Payton. Oh, Emmanuel, Emmanuel quickly. Emmanuel yeah. quickly. I'm sorry. Yeah, I like uh. You see, like you see, Rob. Payton. You see how them Lakers fans be disrespecting y'all. That's crazy. Yeah, you, look, you know it's crazy. It's crazy. The only reason I uh, it's crazy. I should know his name because I had had him on my fantasy squad for a little bit there during the season. Um, Alfred Payton, good veteran presence. That guy can mm-hmm. can get a triple double any at any time. Um, Reggie Bullock hits a three every once in a while when he needs to. Alec Burks has been hooping low key, been a, a oh, decent yeah. man. Let's not forget about him. That just all around the team. Uh, I thought Obi Toppin was gonna be rookie of the year, and then he got hurt, and then never came back from it. And then they added, and I think he might be in the playoffs. I I would love to see this dude ball out in the playoffs. Derrick Rose. Oh yeah, That's let just, me see Derrick Rose ball out in the playoffs, bro, and it. it's a rap, rapidy rap. That's gonna this. I I have a, I have more excitement for the playoffs this year than I've had I think in a long time because I think it's gonna be ultra competitive, especially coming off the playing tournament to determine who's gonna be that eight seed. So once the playing tournament stuff is decided. And the way things are looking with teams, we've had injuries. Uh, I think we talked about this last episode. The way the season is stacked up, it's such a condensed schedule that we shouldn't be surprised with all the injuries that we're seeing. 
And then with mm-hmm. wild occurrences like a LaMarcus Aldridge retiring suddenly because of a heart situation. Um, I mean, players like Karis LeVert who were out for, for a little bit there because of, you know, cancer. Like we've had all these, these weird things, these, 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 these things come up with player health. Um, Anthony Davis just played his first game in, in, uh, in 30 games uh, last night. LeBron has been out. Like, it's been a twilight zone season. And so to see the Knicks in the top four of the Eastern Conference, Abe, it warms my heart. It's good for the Yeah, no, nah, I, I, was, I, was, I thought they would make the playoffs. I did, but I thought via play-in. Not not being a top four seed, uh, yeah. Not being a top four seed. Okay, that's hey. They the the Knicks deserve all respect, all love for the Give work they put all in. Their respect. Give it all to them. Give it all Facts, to them. Because okay. mind you, I think it was maybe Bleacher Report. They had the Knicks at over under like thirteen wins. Yeah. And yeah. I remember seeing Rob, and I was like, Nah, right. be we. You gotta bet the over. You yeah. gotta bet the over. Yeah, thirteen wins, bro. That's so disrespectful. As yeah, if, it was. And, and I'll say this. As a Laker fan, I've always been a fan of Julius Randle. I need people to fuck, to stop disrespecting that man. They need to stop disrespecting that man. He's a walking triple-double. I think he's averaging something like 35 points a game over his last seven games. Uh, the Knicks right now are the hottest team in basketball. I think they've won eight in a mm-hmm. row. Um, probably by the time this recording uh is heard they probably won nine in a row, nine or ten in a row. So mm. they're they're balling. So don't disrespect. Put some put some respect with a K because it's the Knickerbockers we're talking about. Okay, you happy, Rob? Don't be mad. <laughs> uh, moving on though, talking about let's stay let's stay in New York. Okay, a for the third week in a row. For the third. Week and I don't know if we've ever had something like this happen, Abe, on this program. We got to talk about one Kevin Wayne Durant. Well, first he's sitting out versus my Celtics um, at the time. Bro, I'm sick. I don't even want to hear that. This dude is on <laughs> one of my fantasy teams. I'm sitting here in the playoffs and my man ain't playing. I should have traded that bum when I had the chance. Um, Kevin Durant. So we. First, we had first we had to come at him for that whole situation with Michael Rappaport. There was a lot of uh, a lot of whack energy going around with that situation. Both of them are at fault. Both of them can be kicked in the shins for that. Then we had the situation with Shannon Sharp, and we had to we we had to issue an apology to Mister. Yeah, we did. Well, we <laughs> okay. he did. Nah, this man, this man's getting kicked again. Listen. This man is sitting on an interview, sitting on uh, the podcast Million Dollars Worth of Game, which, by the way, is hilarious. I love Million Dollars Worth of Game. I've been following them since uh, day one. Shout out to Gilly the Kid and his cousin Wallow. They are hilarious. I, if you haven't checked them out, you need to, okay? And check out Gilly the Kid on, on and him and Wallow on Instagram. They are hilarious. So, and and they just got, uh, they got a deal. Um, to be on Barstool. So they're 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 sponsored by Barstool. It's legit. They're in the Barstool network. I mean, we just went on that day for us as well. Um, but for now, we we loving it at SSA. Mm, yeah, we are. 
if you don't want the producer dancing in the videos uh, or on your podcast, come on over to SSAW. Um, right. But this man, KD's on there, and they ask him, top five players you've played with skill-wise. This man says Kyrie. This man says Steph Clay. This man lists off four players. And then he's on the fifth player, and he's hesitating. He's pausing. He is struggling to find the fifth player and finally says Serge Ibaka. Abe, I threw my phone. I threw my phone. This man said Serge Ibaka. And they were looking at him like, wow, dog. Like, we thought we we thought you would have said someone else. He was like, what do you mean? Like, would have said someone else. Abe, speak on it. It's like, you know, one, I would have been remiss if he chose uh, um, James Harden because, honestly, their playing time together hasn't really been that long. Yeah, especially he, he chose James though, didn't he? I think he chose James in that question. Did he choose James? Oh yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I didn't. I don't agree with that. But like, what's the? I thought there was no beef between him and Russ. I thought it was cool, bro. Like, why does it seem that that it's one day it's like yeah they they got beef, the next day it's like oh no they're fine. It's the media that's overanalyzed, and then it's like well, KD, how you know how how does Russ not make your list? Especially Bro. given all the people you've played with, like Russ should be on that list. Russ I would Russ should be on one. there before James Harden. Should to be, be honest, one. should be number one and number two. Yeah, like you know, just aside from you, that's wild. That's really wild. Why my um, man said, and it's not like he pulled out because Loki. I thought for a second as he was hesitating, I was like, is this man about to say Draymond? And you know what? I wouldn't have been mad if he said Draymond, but this man says Serge Ibaka. Serge if he Ibaka. said Dre, it would have like made people foolish. Be like, man, we, we there was overhyping that. It, actually, it would be the Russ situation over again. It'd be like, yeah, media was overhyping that. Over-hyping they're actually the really right, cool. right. And then like five years from now, Katie's gonna have his list and then leave Draymond off, and people be like, wait, I thought what it would have been the whole Russ situation all over but, again. All over again. I wouldn't have been mad at Draymond either because him and Draymond were just on a podcast talking about that situation that happened in 2017 where uh, during during that Clipper game where, as we all saw, Draymond gets the rebound, dribbles up court. It, it looked like he looked off KD instead of passing it to him, dribbles down court, loses the ball, and, instead of, and when he should have just given it to KD, KD could have come down court and done what KD does and probably hit the game winner. Instead, the game goes into overtime. So while they're sitting on the bench, you see KD look up at the jumbotron and look at it and and see the plate develop, and looks at Draymond and they start going off. I mean, going off. And so KD and Draymond give some clarity as to what actually happened, and so it looked like things are cool. So I wouldn't have been mad if he said Draymond, but this man said Serge Ibaka, the Mafuzi chef. Have you ever watched? Serge Ibaka's YouTube show where he brings on different players that he knows and and cooks for them and cooks weird stuff for them. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Bro, that show's wild, man. When this Literally. dude had Kawhi Leonard on there eating eating bull bull genitalia, I was like, nah, oh, nah, yeah. nah, doc, I'm good, man. Nope. And that was oh. the day I knew that Kawhi was really a robot. Cuz no, no ain't ain't no nah, bro. Nah. I'm good. Mm-hmm. 
Like, all right. As a matter of fact, you know what? He had KD on there and had KD eating snake. Come on, man. Come on, man. I yeah, I can't. I. I mean, I get it if him and and Serge have like such a close relationship, and this is your way. But like, let's be real, sir. Serge wouldn't have been offended if he wasn't in your top five. He Bruh. definitely wouldn't have. Because Serge has played with Russ for just as long, and Serge knows how skilled Russ is. Like, let's stop playing with that. You know what's crazy as well? Like, KD, KD played with Russ. Was it Russ, Serge, and James all at the same time? And we mm-hmm. know at that time, mm-hmm. let's be honest, the reason that KD, James, and Russ, the reason we look back at that Thunder team, don't mind Oso. He's a little, you know, he just woke up. <laughs> he waking he, up. He, he waking up. <laughs> but the reason why we look at that Thunder team and say, oh, that, and look at them as one of the greatest what ifs of all time is not because of James, KD, and Serge. It's because of the possibility of having James, Russ, and KD in their prime together. They would have run the league. And the league screwed over the Thunder, long story short. When the league restructured uh, their, uh, their, their their contract situation the, and, and contract stipulations and salary cap st- uh, stipulations, teams couldn't have a uh, one player's contract be worth a certain amount of the salary cap. But so KD's contract was up for for extension, and with it being up for extension, um, it was going to count against a certain amount of their salary cap. So they were going to have to offload somebody. Now, James Harden, he was up to get paid big money, and they were like, well, we probably can't pay James because of this new uh, salary cap rules by the league. So it was it, it came down to it, James, KD, and Serge, and they decided to stick with Serge and, and traded James to the Rockets. The league came back a year later and told the Thunder, we made a mistake, KD's contract should have been grandfathered in, and they gave the Thunder a refund. Yo! Yo, so you mean to tell me they could have paid James his money and kept James, KD, and Russ all on their contracts, all on some big money contracts, and they could have run it back? Stop it, man. Stop it. See, the NBA, man, the NBA be ticking me off. So bringing it back to the main thing, though. KD, you you whack for that. And don't even act like, because they, they were like, you forgot about Russ. He was like, oh, man, yeah, I did forget about Russ. Don't act like you forgot. You did that on purpose. You intentionally left that man off. I'm sick. I'm sick. No way you, especially since that's the majority of your career was with Russ. Like, I get it. There was a lot of, of well, the, the drama really came after the departure. Oh, we for didn't sure. didn't really know the drama during. So, it, it yeah. came after the, the, you know, KD going to Golden State. Yeah, just just be honest. If you don't like the man, just say that, yo. Just just, just let us know so we can be over it. You know, just don't stop playing. I don't like going just, back and forth just, with this. Just 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 say I refuse it. to talk about you four weeks in a row, Katie. Basically, <laughs> I'm, bro, I'm, I'm not. I'm telling you, we are not doing it. Looking, watch. Something's gonna happen. Something's gonna we're, happen. We're gonna hit we that four feet, and watch. then we're gonna be done. He's gonna hit that four feet, and we're gonna be done. I'm gonna be so sure. We hope we double hit that four P. I'm so I'm I'm disgusted, bro. Absolutely I'm, disgusted. And so is Oso. He over here upset. What you want to say something to the people? You want to talk to the mic? Talk to the people. You want to say something? 
just heavy breathing. That's all you got for the people is heavy breathing. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. You can you can not. <laughs> I this love man is over here trying to break the mic filter, the pop filter. I mean, okay, okay, we back, we back. All right, Abe. So, bro, things in the NBA have been interesting for sure. Um, yeah. I, yeah, it's been interesting. But you know, the you said it in the beginning, you know. This we celebrate, then we grieve. We celebrate. We have some laughs, and then we grieve, grieve, bro. Um, And I think this is probably the main thing on this episode. So this week is crazy, bro. I was sitting in a meeting. uh, Probably, I was talking to some friends. Not sitting in me. I'm sorry. I was talking to some friends like three weeks ago, and I said, "Yo, I'm not watching this Derek Chauvin trial because for me, I have." I remember when the Trayvon verdict came and I was expecting guilty verdict. I was expecting George Zimmerman. I'm sorry, let me get the case right. The George Zimmerman trial, I was expecting a guilty verdict. And I remember, bro, I was sitting in church and my father-in-law had told me weeks prior, like, listen, man, it's probably not going to be a guilty verdict. And he he worked in corrections and I'm thinking, God bless you too. And I'm thinking, Nah, there's no way. Like, come on. And he was like, dude, just knowing the system, not going to be a guilty verdict. And they said this man, George Zimmerman, was not guilty. It felt like all the wind got taken out of me. So I'm like, I don't want to set myself emotionally up for for some more of that, you know, for some more of that with uh, this Derek Chauvin trial. So all I did was I would just watch recaps at the end of the day that summarize whatever happened in the trial. Talk with some folks some friends probably like three weeks ago. And I was like, listen, I'm tracking this thing. We're not going to make it out of April before a verdict comes. It, a verdict is, and a verdict came this week, Abe. Where were you at, Abe, when the verdict came out? So for me, I was actually at work. Um, so I had no idea until a coworker uh, told me, she just came up to me and said, they found him guilty. Mm. And I was like, I just looked at her like, work? It's like, yup. My son just told me. I was like, yo, really? Because honestly, I was surprised. I was yeah. surprised. Yeah. I mean, you, you spoke on it. Just the way the, not even just this past year, but we can go back as far as, let's just go back to Trayvon Martin, right? Trayvon, bro, seven years. Seven yeah. straight years. We're going back to seven years, and it's just all the amount of people that have lost their life due to, to, the sickness of of certain members of law enforcement and how most of those people were either given administrative leave, they were given a slap on the wrist. I, I mean, who am I to finally have hope and be like, oh, this time is different? Like, why? We've had video evidence of, of deaths before, and yet somehow it still didn't lead to guilty verdicts. But for this to happen was so, so surprising yeah and and i was happy i was happy that okay but you know just as quickly it became a bittersweet moment um for several reasons one of the first ones being is that people then after the verdict were saying like you know george floyd sacrifices life for justice and it's like that uh uh, excuse me man listen (laughs) i'm i'm not one I don't have a particular, I don't belong to any political party, nor do I have a particular political leaning because 
you got to call a spade a spade. That was a trash statement by Nancy Pelosi. And I think in, in times like this, it's especially when, when we're, you're dealing with emotionally charged moments and situations, I'm not saying you got to have the most polished statement, but come on, you, come on, you, you got to do better. Got to do better. Yeah, it was, I wasn't a fan of. it was just atrocious. It's like, who, so Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, Sarah Bland, Eric Garner, they, they sacrificed yeah. their life for this. So they willingly chose to be yeah. murdered the way they, they were. Right. For what? No, don't. They were, they were murdered. Yeah. This is final. This is justice for George Floyd, but they were murdered. They did not ask for this at all. They did. They were not fighting to, to, to represent and have their lives be taken away. Don't, don't be disrespectful like that. Don't try to, to sugarcoat to butter up the situation. Call it for what it is. This was an act of violence, an act of evil against, against George Floyd and and all others who have been murdered. That's just what it was, plain and simple. So I was I was very disgusted to hear that. Right. And then, of course, you know, we had the situation in Ohio. Ooh, ooh, side note, before we get to that real quick. Bet, bet, bet. So I was actually on a group FaceTime watching the verdict. And as soon as the verdict was read, everybody's quiet. Homeboy goes, why do I feel so empty? And I was like, that's exactly how I feel because I wasn't expecting this. And because honestly, Abe, I don't feel like this is true justice. I didn't feel like it was justice. And then the attorney general of Minnesota gave his statement, Keith Ellison, and he made, he made a similar sentiment. He said, this isn't justice because justice involves restoration. And for George Floyd's family, they've lost a, a, a nephew, a brother, um, a father, his daughter is now going to have no father in her life. Her father's gone. You can't restore that back to her. But what this is, is accountability. And I think we, it was on the last episode, we talked about this, the need for accountability. If there's anything that, of course, we're looking for, for we'd love to see equity uh, in terms of policing. And we're about to talk about that in a moment with this situation that happened in Ohio. But Accountability is needed as well. We 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 can't continue. When I look at, for example, the uh, the murder of George Floyd, you have Derek Chauvin, who's a training officer, and he's training two other officers, and he's doing what he does, and these other two officers are just standing by and watching instead of intervening. So accountability is needed. Not after the fact, because this is this is after the fact accountability, and it really is an accountability. It's really it's, I mean, yes, to a degree, holding someone accountable for their actions. But before it gets to that point, accountability is not reactionary. It shouldn't always be reactionary. It should be proactive. So for me, I felt like oh, this is just accountability, and also in my mind, I had this not my mind, but my body, because the body keeps score of trauma, of anxiety, and so. That same like tension and like anxiety that I felt going back to Trayvon and like you said, Sandra Bland. I just recently watched the documentary, HBO documentary on Sandra Bland and like, oh, it was tough to watch. And Philando Castile, Eric Garner, the list goes on and on and on. Like the tension and the trauma from those things, I felt it 
as I'm hearing the verdict being read and even in the aftermath of it. And then I wake up Wednesday morning and I hear about this situation or this this shooting in Ohio, in Columbus, Ohio. Abe, speak on it. So it, it's 13-year-old girl, young black girl, um, was in possession of a knife. And Makaya Bryant. Say her name. Makaya Bryant. Yeah, Makaya Bryant. Um, she she had assaulted someone with a knife, and cops uh responded by fatally shooting her. Now, um, the the thing about this is that when it first happened, I I know on social media, uh, people were. So- I don't want to say surprisingly because I, me being objective, if I'm to be objective, I understand why some people uh, were hesitant to share their opinion on the story because they were like, well, you know, she was violently assaulting someone with a knife, a dangerous weapon. Yes, I understand. But it's hard for me to really fathom the use of lethal force um, as as a member of law enforcement, because keep in mind, here's the thing. So with Duante Wright, uh, last week or two weeks ago, his killer said, uh, oh, she thought she had, his his killer claimed that she thought she used a taser, not her gun. Okay, so we know, I, I mean, I understand not all cops, you know, across the nation have the same equipment, but I'm pretty sure standard uh, equipment includes a baton and a taser, and maybe pepper spray, right? Cool. In the instance of confronting a 13-year-old girl, a a child, a child, a 13-year-old child, I feel like law enforcement is trained on how to defuse such a situation without using lethal force. Especially, it. let's not act like, like Makaya Bryan is out here being She-Hulk. She she not she not beating anybody black and blue like and you need to call the Avengers. That's not what's going on. You the law enforcement definitely had the option to to wound, to stop, to use a taser to incapacitate, or to use a baton. Like it's crazy that a knife will get you shot up. A a gun will get you shot up. A hairbrush will get you shot up. Cell phone. A, can- a cell phone will get you shot up. A pack of cigarettes will get you shot up. Sandwich. A-, a sandwich will get you shot up. A counterfeit $20 bill allegedly will get you shot up. Um, uh, Iced tea and Skittles will get you shot up. Wearing a hoodie will get you shot up. Like, at this point, black people and people of color can't, we can't be doing, we can't do nothing. We can't have anything in our possession because it's, it's apparently going to get met with, with violence. Um, it, it was disgusting. I still have not watched the body cam footage because I'm just not mentally prepared to see the blatant murder of, of a child. You know, um, I, I think that I'm somewhat desensitized to a lot of things given uh, my intake of media and just the world that we live in. But I don't, I don't think I can willingly sit through even 30 seconds of, of the murder of a child. Um, it, it, it just... This is the biggest issue. All talk of, of, 
proper police training of learning how to defuse and de-escalate situations. We've been screaming about that for years, for years, but especially over the last year since the pandemic, since George Floyd's death, we've been calling for the defunding of the police, not in the sense of like, hey, just take all money away from them. We don't need them. But in the sense of, okay, so certain money needs to be allocated differently. Let's put some yeah, of that money like towards that training. Uh, yeah, yeah like you know, reallocation of funds, you know. But yeah, reallocation. Folks, here is clearly reallocation of funds. Exactly. Let's put that money towards proper training of law enforcement, not just like, hey, let's let's get all the weapons we can use and and shoot them. Let's let's just do uh, uh, a shooting range, all that jazz, whatever. But let's actually take the time to teach and to prepare our law enforcement to handle certain situations. We've been we've been protesting and, and calling for that for, for a whole year. Just, let's just focus on the past year. Of course, because of the word defund, people tend to um to allow themselves to overlook, to ignore what the true intentions of the protests were. So that's why again we stress the reallocation of funds in the police right. department. Right. But for that to happen and to be met with this is, I want everybody listening, everybody listening, every grown adult listening. Do you do you see a child with a knife as a as a serious threat? Especially if you are equipped with uh with the proper equipment to to handle the situation. If I have pepper spray on me and a a thirteen year old, first of all, if a thirteen year old child was coming at me with a knife i'm swinging i'm sorry i'm swinging like i may get slashed but i'm I'm putting the kid down you know not not permanently but i'm i'm knocking the kid out um i don't know if this is gonna get me canceled um but i i don't know what i said what i said right um but if i had a a gun i'm not you guys have a problem with what abe said you can um Follow me on Twitter. To uh, email us. <laughs> to osa.apodcast at gmail.com. He monitors email more than I do. Or you can follow him on Twitter and voice your opinion. Continue. Exactly. But um, I'm not going to try to kill the child. Killing the child is not. It's just like, hey, let me get that knife out of that child's hand, first of all. Because I'm confident that I am strong enough and, and skilled enough to disarm a a a child coming right. at me with a knife okay um cops who wear protective equipment seem to just be so and let me let me just pause and say this and and it's it's partially because also is reminding me like hey Abe, you need to say this you need to you need to get this off your chest he has a way of doing that i do not believe all law enforcement is an issue I'm not saying that at all. I do not think negatively of law enforcement as a whole. Um, This is just one of those situations where, to be honest, we're focused on the negative apples. And um, if that doesn't apply to you, then let it fly. But if it applies, lace lace them boots up, baby, because I'm talking straight to you right now. Law enforcement has become so trigger happy so so trigger happy and it's appalling it's appalling it's disturbing it's upsetting 
Um, because not only did we have that situation in Ohio, we also had the situation in North Carolina where a deputy is presenting a search warrant and somehow that ends up in the person receiving a search warrant getting killed. Like, I I didn't know search warrants also equated into death a death sentence. I thought the search the whole purpose of a search warrant was be like, yo, we are legally we we are legally able to search whatever premises or property you own under this suspicion. Nothing about hey, we gonna shoot you, but somehow death still happens. Um, and then we this one is also kind of a messy situation. Yeah. Um, uh, it, it's it's definitely a lot more to unpack regarding a um a mother who called the cops on her daughter's boyfriend. Um, the cops ended up fatally shooting the boyfriend and the mother, uh, took to, uh, shared that, you know what, she, she felt instant regret for doing that. Mm. Um, situation is still murky, but the idea is that, uh, the daughter was possibly being abused. The teenage daughter was possibly being abused and it's, it's. Similar to the uh, Micaiah Bryant, it's like okay. Oh, I oh, and yo, you you low key mixing up situations. Are you you also are you thinking oh, about I? the situation in Tennessee? Is that is that the one? Yeah, I think that's the one you're talking about. Where she, mother of the girlfriend, called the cops. Cops going to the school and claimed it was like the kid was going to shoot up the school. Okay, they, okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. that was in Tennessee. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I I, I apologize. But here's okay, the thing, though. Here, here's the thing, though. No, even with that, the fact that there that we that it's almost daily now. Yeah, that we have some sort of situation to question. Like, people, there are people who stand on the side of "quote unquote" law and order, and will say, "Well, if you just comply." But even when people comply, and I've been in spaces where I've complied, and it's still not enough, so to speak. Uh, this goes back to the issue of equity. The issue of equity when it comes from law enforcement and their duty to, to protect and serve. When I look at the situation with Makaya Bryant, she called. I haven't watched the body cam footage. I can't. Now, let me clarify something for those of you who say, well, if you won't even look at the footage, you don't know the full story. For black folks in America to watch those kind of things. For a lot of us is re-traumatizing because we can think about situations where that maybe were similar and you realize it could have been me. I've been in a situation where uh, without getting into too much detail about it, because here's the thing about Makaya Bryant's situation. She was at a foster home at the time and they were looking down, down the line and thinking that reunification with her mother was a very real thing. She had just talked to her mother on Saturday and things were looking up. And this situation ends up happening. Everyone's going to point to the knife and say, well, she had a lethal weapon. I've been in a situation in uh, in, in in the system, dealing with a, a, a kid in the system. And they had a knife. They called law enforcement. And the thing was, before law enforcement got there, we had to try to de-escalate and keep him contained. 
Because what does it look like to have a 17-year-old, this is the situation I was dealing with, a 17-year-old black man walking down the streets with a, a six eight, with a six to eight inch knife and no shirt on. What's gonna happen if law enforcement sees that? They're not gonna they're not gonna try to de-escalate. They're not hitting him with a taser or with pepper spray. Oso agrees. They're not hitting him with a taser or with pepper spray. He he's gonna find some bullets in him. So when I look at Micaiah Bryant's situation, she's at a foster home, things are looking up for her. Whatever it with whatever uh uh conflict arose with her and some other girls, I think in the home. Um, she called law enforcement and said that the girl had a knife and things were getting crazy. Law enforcement shows up and you see, they see Micaiah Bryant with the knife and they see her in an altercation with other girls. It wasn't like she was coming at law enforcement. And like you said, Abe, there's there's several steps of de-escalation or several alternatives to just using lethal force. And so now what we, and, and for those who say, well, she shouldn't, she shouldn't have the knife, she shouldn't, she shouldn't, she shouldn't. here's the bottom line. And I'm not Stone Cold Steve Austin, but a she's actually 14. A 14-year-old girl is dead. Can we at least have enough dignity to not use loss of life as an opportunity to start throwing out numbers and to start uh, getting up on our soapboxes and and preaching for for whatever uh, political leaning we have? And can we just be human enough? to grieve the loss of life and not to say, oh, well, what about when you get into your what about isms, you now you fur you do further damage. Let's be human. Let's acknowledge the fact that a life was lost. A young life was lost. And let's look at it and say, what is the brokenness in the system, in the relationship between uh, between law enforcement and as has been the case far too often? the black community, what is that brokenness in that relationship that leads to these things? What is that? What is the, the implicit biasness, the implicit biases that we see that lead to these things? Like, what is it? Because if we can't even stop and ask those kind of questions, we're going to continue to go on this merry-go-round. And what that shows me is this, is that you don't value a life and you may not say it, but this is what it comes across as is you don't value a life and that my friends is a scary place for us to be if we can't value the life if you can't look at Micaiah Bryant and say huh could have been my child or and look at her and see your child and say oh man that could have been my child if if you can't look and say and and grieve for her mother her mother who was hoping to be reunited with her don't question that well what what circumstances landed her in a foster home don't question those circumstances. Let's look at what's happened right now. And that's what broke my heart in this situation. Uh, like I said, I won't watch the body cam footage. Um, I will say this, though. Shout out to Columbus PD for this. They, they wanted to release the body cam footage as soon as it became available for us so that there could be a sense of transparency in this whole situation. Got it. Cool. Was the timing of it the best? Nope, because it came out the same day as the Derek Chauvin verdict. And so for those who were already tired, who have already, who thought for a moment they could breathe finally after hearing uh, a guilty verdict for Derek Chauvin, then you turn on the news or you get this alert about Micaiah Bryant, and it feels like, will this ever end? 
For those of you who are tired, for those of you who are worn down, for those of you who feel discouraged because it feels like it will never end, can I give you a tip? Can I give you some help? Do yourself a favor. If you need to disconnect from some things, if you need to unplug, if you need to just take the time you need for your mental, your emotional, your um, your spiritual health, you got to look out for that. You can't be, if, if you're fighting for justice and equity and you want to see this country be a better place, you can't do it uh, uh, on an empty tank and you can't do it uh, unless you're the best you, unless you're the best you and a full and healthy you shows up to the table. Because if not, you're going to do more damage and harm to yourself and to others than you will actual than you will in actually helping to bring progress. So disconnect. When the Derek Chauvin verdict was released, I went to, I had one more meeting that day. I went to that meeting and then after that, I didn't answer a phone call. I didn't answer a text message. I disconnected from social media. Like I didn't do like I, and I just took some time to be because for myself, I realized this is a lot right now. And I, and, and I'm not going to sit here and, uh, you know, go pop bottles because we finally got to get, because there's finally a guilty verdict. No, like. I realize there's some stuff going on with me and I need to make sure that I'm the best me that I can be. So please, y'all, for for the sake of yourself, for the sake of your family, like take the time you need to take just to be, because this is heavy stuff. And these are going to continue to be complex issues. And the conversations around these issues, they lack they lack nuance, which is terrible because nuance is something that we need now more than ever. And they lack empathy. Empathy is something we need now more than ever. If you have black friends and you cannot, you're not even attempting to try to empathize with them while they're hurting, or you're not asking, hey, how are you really feeling with all of this? And 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 maybe you don't understand, but you're not trying to understand. Like we said last week, you don't have black friends. You just know black people. And so you please make the effort to try to understand because empathy and nuance go a long way in this conversation. And as long as we refuse to enter into dialogue and as long as we refuse to understand the need for accountability in this conversation, accountability for law enforcement, here's something, A, because you mentioned it when you're talking about de-escalation, uh, where I read this number, but a poll was given of, I'm sorry, not a poll, research was done into the training methods for uh, how many uh, thousand police uh, departments across the country. Would you know that with all of the training that was, that was logged, well, a consistent number that came out was that officers received 10, I think it's up to 10 times more weapons training than they do training in de-escalating situations. So they're trained to use of, of these of these police departments that were that were researched and surveyed, trained to use their they have a better understanding of their weapons, so to speak, than they do of trying to de-escalate a situation. When I heard that, I said, my God, this is like that's wild. That's what we are. That's where the conversation about reallocation of funds comes in. Because here's, it's my opinion, Columbus PD, a situation like this, I've, now I don't know if they knew they were going to a, to a foster home, but if they did, that's a red flag for 
there's 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 probably something involving some mental health issues here. And so with reallocation of funds, you have a mental health, uh, some sort of mental health specialist or or resource to be able to go out to the scene and help with maybe de-escalating this situation. There's a lot to be said, and there's a lot of what ifs we could ask in, in all of this, but the, the 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 overall is this. Empathy and nuance in the conversation. It needs to happen. Needs to happen. Can we empathize with one another? Can we can we have a conversation with nuance and not get triggered every time someone says something you don't like? And you don't want to attempt to, to, to try to clarify or get some clarification. If you're out there and you're 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 crying out and fighting for justice and, and equity in this space, take time for yourself, mental health, emotional health, spiritual health. Like you need to take time for that. You can't keep wearing yourself down. Lastly, accountability. Accountability, uh, accountability. accountability, accountability mm. as huge. Mm. Huge, mm. yo, huge. Because keep in mind, after the verdict was out, people are like, yo, this is a turning point. And and I'm still hesitant to call it a turning point, given, you know, especially what transpired across the country, again, with Micaiah Bryant um, and others immediately after. But we have to start somewhere, right? Somewhere. We have to start somewhere. So. You know, hopefully we can now get some more accountability because if I remember correctly, I think uh, LeBron spoke up about it and people just took his statement way out of context. They took it as like, oh, he's threatening violence. It's like, yeah, yeah. So what LeBron had tweeted out was, if I remember correctly. Oh, so here's what LeBron tweeted out. He had tweeted out um, a picture of the officer who shot Makai Bryant and said, you're next. Um, Hashtag accountability. Hashtag Derek Chauvin and the hashtag something else. Excuse me. So, okay. Getting here. Once again, here's here's that conversation around nuance again, Abe. Tweeting out something about accountability. And and you know, I've I've heard multiple people, whether it be politicians, conservative pundits, whatever, come out and say, LeBron should know better. He's a leader. This is why athletes need to stay in their lane. But we're going to judge a situation or judge a tweet instead of looking at the actual content of the tweet. And so we show our true colors because instead of the the the, the message, the content of the not the content of the message, but the heart of the message being looked at, we we want we want everything to be worded perfectly. Um so that we we can give credence to it. If it's not worded perfectly, you're not getting credence, and it's 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 getting thrown out the window. Listen, accountability is a it it is a huge thing, and if there's anything, I, hey, accountability. That's all I gotta say. That's that's all I gotta say. Hey, that might just be the episode of this ta- the title the title of this episode. <laughs> accountability. Yeah, because folks need to be yeah, folks need to be held accountable. Oh, the the episode of this title. I'm tripping. All right, folks, we appreciate you listening in again on another episode of the Osa and A podcast. Um, as always, folks, if you have any questions, you got topics you want to discuss, if you want to be a guest, if you want to be uh, part of a special project, we're actually going to call Friends of the Show. 
um, go ahead and hit us, osa.apodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's osa.apodcast at gmail.com. Holla at us. Even if it's just to say hi, even if it's just to say we appreciate what's going on, holla at us, um, as well as, of course, the main hub where all things are going on. And that is on the website, tssaw.com. Again, that's tssaw.com. And as always, what y'all need to know about us, one thing, two words, get it in your brain. Oh, boy.